0: get fit guy to learn more welcome to the get fit guys quick and dirty tips to get moving and shape up my name is brock armstrong and i'm the get fit guy Now, it probably won't come as a surprise to you fit folks out there that during the COVID-19 lockdown, there's been a 70% rise in the number of people riding their bikes for exercise in the UK, while running is absolutely booming in North America. These faster-paced and outdoor sports are seen as fun, safe ways to stay fit while social distancing measures continue. And while there has been a rise in the outdoor exercise, there has also been a rise in alcohol consumption. According to the University of Utah in the USA, alcohol distributors reported a 50% increase in the sales of alcohol from one week in March of the coronavirus compared to the same week a year ago. Home delivery of alcohol has increased dramatically as well, and one report notes a 300% increase in alcohol sales in March as compared to January. Well, that's a whole lot of booze, people. Now, reading about these exercise and alcohol trends, well, it made me wonder how going for more runs and rides while also consuming more alcohol affects our endeavors to get and stay fit. Are we better off, are we worse off, or are we somewhere in between? In the past, headlines based on the results of a study called The Effects of Post-Match Alcohol Ingestion on Recovery from Competitive Rugby League Matches, well, it instructed us to stay far away from alcohol if we wanted to maximize our workout results. And sure, this study, and others before it, did show that alcohol can negatively affect your exercise efforts, but what the headlines actually missed was that for alcohol to impair your workout recovery, well, you needed to drink the equivalent of about four to six servings right after you finished exercising. Yes, you heard me right, four to six servings. At that amount, not only will the alcohol hurt your recovery, but it'll also give you a lot of empty calories. Not to mention, well, a lightweight like me anyway would probably do nothing but lie around nursing a hangover the next day. Now, okay, let's get some perspective. In North America, legal intoxication is defined as having a blood alcohol level of 80 milligrams per deciliter, or 17.4 millimolars per liter, Or 100 milligrams per deciliter or 21.7 millimolars per liter or above. This is a different way to look at it than we're used to. Most of us are aware of the legal measurement of blood alcohol concentration or BAC to be 0.08%. So, Try to keep that in mind as we go through the studies, since many of them vary in the amount of alcohol that was given to the participants and also how it was measured in their blood. So let's start with alcohol before exercise. Now, this is definitely not the way it usually goes. Alcohol is usually how we reward ourselves after we've worked out or raced, not before. So with this in mind, there aren't many studies that looked at alcohol before exercise, but the results of a few studies that do exist are, well, mixed, just like a cocktail. In one study called Alcohol Cardiorespiratory Function and Work Performance, it was found that ingesting 0.44 and 0.88 milliliters per kilogram body weight of 95% alcohol a half an hour before a progressive cycling test, well, that had no effect on exercise performance. Then, in terms of strength performance, another study found that a blood alcohol concentration of 140 mg per deciliter was found to have also no effect on isokinetic and isometric knee extension. But then another small study of short-distance sprinters and middle-distance runners found that alcohol consumption worsened performance at 1,500 800, 400, and 200 meters, but strangely not at the shorter but more intense 100 meter sprint. So, Okay, it appears that alcohol's effect on sports performance depends greatly on how much you drink, and this is not a surprise. We know that alcohol is a central nervous system depressant that also throws us off balance. It wreaks havoc on our coordination and it slows our reaction time by varying degrees depending on how much we drink. In fact, a twenty ten research paper called Alcohol Athletic Performance and Recovery suggested that exercise performance is significantly affected at blood alcohol concentrations around ninety two milligrams per deciliter or twenty millimolars per liter, which is above the legal limit to drive. So, okay, let's move on to mixing alcohol and exercise. Now, there are some definite negatives to mixing alcohol and exercise. A study found in PLOS One highlighted one example, which showed that high amounts of alcohol intake can impair protein synthesis, or how our muscles repair themselves after exercise. In practical terms, this means chugging a few beers during or after a 10K run on a sunny day may actually lead to slower recovery of the muscles in your legs. And that same study showed that when athletes binged on alcohol, after a killer strength training workout, their protein synthesis was decreased by 40%. But again, this is very dose-dependent. When I say the athletes binged, I meant it. They ingested roughly eight shots of vodka mixed with orange juice in just three hours. Now let's look at alcohol and hydration. Now, most of us know that alcohol is a diuretic. It increases the water that's lost from our body as urine. Now, more scientifically, it appears that alcoholic drinks that contain weight per volume or more of alcohol inhibit the release of a hormone called ADH or antidiuretic hormone or vasopressin. As you probably guessed from the name, ADH is the opposite of a diuretic. So instead of making you have to pee, it increases the reabsorption of water back into your bloodstream. But when the release of ADH is inhibited, let's say by alcohol, Water loss goes up, and so does dehydration. And that can really inhibit our recovery even the following day. But once again, it depends on how much you indulge. An older but important study that was published in the Journal of Applied Physiology showed that an alcohol dose of less than 0.49 grams per kilogram of body weight – that's about three or four standard alcoholic drinks – would not affect rehydration. Now if you're like me, you might be wondering at this point if beer is different than other alcohols. Well, a study that was published in the International Journal of Sports Nutrition and Exercise Metabolism discovered that beer's dehydrating effects could be lessened by adjusting the electrolyte content of the beer. By lowering the level of alcohol to 2.3% from the usual 5 or 6, and then adding some salt, these crafty brewers found that the electrolyte-enhanced, lower-alcohol beer actually hydrates athletes better than traditional ale does. But here's an important caveat. The researchers were comparing this fancy new beer to traditional beer. This does not mean that the modified beer performed better than good old water. Keep that in mind. But there may actually be other benefits to beer. For example, a 2011 German study found that the polyphenols in beer may assist with immune function during prolonged strenuous exercise. In this study, the runners who were given a non-alcoholic beer every day for three weeks before and two weeks after their marathon reported fewer incidents of upper respiratory tract infections, which are somewhat common after endurance races, and were also up to three times less susceptible to the common cold. This is likely due to the compounds found in the plants that are used to make beer, which have anti-inflammatory and antioxidative effects. So beer, with its carbohydrates, some added electrolytes, lowered amounts of alcohol, and some smart engineering to add more plant protein may actually be helpful after exercise. But of course, not many of us actually have access to, or even want access to, this scientifically perfected beery beverage. Before I go on, I want to tell you about our sponsor, MetPro. Last spring, I did an episode with MetPro's founder, Angelo Poli, all about metabolism. And his company, MetPro, continues to help thousands of people transform their bodies by hacking their metabolism through concierge coaching. Now, I spent a couple of months actually using Metpro a while ago, and it was a really cool experience, I have to say. Metpro is doing some really interesting and innovative work to help you better understand your body so you can get the results you want. And Metpro actually just launched a brand new tool that lets you see the same science and the tailored strategy that their experts are using. And you know what? It's not a food logging tool or a workout app for that matter. The MetPro app actually allows you to start tracking, analyzing, and learning what your metabolism responds to using science. And my listeners get up to one month for free when you sign up if you head to metpro.co slash getfitguy to take advantage of this opportunity. That's metpro.co slash getfitguy for up to one month for free. So now, let's move on to alcohol and refueling. Now, when we move our bodies, especially when we move them vigorously, the glycogen stores in our liver and skeletal muscle are broken down to release glucose. This glucose is then used to fuel muscle contractions, which make us perform the movements. When we eat carbs after exercise, we replenish these glycogen stores. Now, in an oversimplified nutshell, we break down the carbohydrates that we eat into glucose, which then fills our glycogen stores back up. Now, unfortunately, alcohol may interfere with this process of glycogen replenishment. But a study of cyclists found that glycogen stores were not affected by drinking 1.5 grams per kilogram body weight of alcohol with a high-carbohydrate meal. But when the cyclists drank more alcohol, and some of the carbs were replaced with that booze, well, glycogen stores were reduced. So once again, we see that the amount of alcohol really matters, and in this case, so do the carbs. Now let's look at alcohol and exercise recovery. Intense exercise, in particular resistance training, actually damages and tears our muscle fibers. Then, during the recovery phase, our muscles repair themselves and adapt so they're stronger and more resilient. But as I mentioned earlier, studies have found that alcohol can impair this reaction. One study in particular had its subjects complete a whopping 300 eccentric contractions, the most damaging part of the movement, of the quadricep muscle of one leg before consuming one gram per kilogram body weight of alcohol or the same amount of orange juice measured in calories. The subjects who consumed alcohol experienced a severe loss of muscle strength at 30 and 60 hours after the experiment. And then another study called Alcohol Impact on Sports Performance and Recovery in Male Athletes found that drinking 0.5 grams per kilogram body weight of alcohol did not affect the athlete's strength. So, say it with me, once again we see that the dose matters. Now, while we're talking about recovery, let's talk about injuries. Injuries. Recovering from an injury and returning to your favorite sport is always excruciatingly slow. We want to do everything we can to speed it along, and since the various inflammatory and hormonal responses that rebuild tissue and promote healing after an injury can be negatively impacted by high alcohol intake, it's smart to avoid it altogether. In a study we looked at earlier, alcohol was shown to lower the acute inflammatory response to tissue injury, which delays recovery. Also, alcohol causes vasodilation, the relaxing of blood vessels, which has been shown to increase swelling and delay healing. And larger amounts of alcohol, like 1.5 grams per kilogram of body weight, also inhibit the production of two important repair hormones, testosterone and growth hormone. So now let's look at alcohol and muscle growth. Now, to get bigger, muscle cells need to create new proteins faster than they break them down. This process is known as muscle protein synthesis, or MPS. In one study, MPS was reduced by 24 to 37% in subjects consuming alcohol after exercise, and that was even if the alcohol was consumed along with protein and carbohydrate. But again, the subjects in this study consumed a whopping 1.5 grams per kilogram body weight of alcohol, and this equals about 10 to 13 standard drinks. So I guess the takeaway is to not go on a bender if you want to pack on some muscle. And finally, let's look at how alcohol affects sleep. Alcohol is well known to wreck a good night's sleep, and sleep is the most effective recovery tool we have. In a paper called Sleep, Recovery, and Performance, The New Frontier in High Performance Athletics, lead author Charles Samuels says... Sleep has been identified by elite athletes, coaches, and trainers as an important aspect of the PER, or post-exercise recovery process, and is thought to be critical for optimal performance. And in a 2005 study on the hormone melatonin, which is enhanced with good sleep, it was found that aiding the release of this hormone can help heal skeletal muscle injuries faster, which means that a solid night of sleep may help you bounce back from your workouts with less soreness. So, there you have it. Following the general health guidelines for alcohol consumption is, well, good for all of us. If we want to truly get all we can from our exercise time, well, we should ignore that voice in our head that's telling us we earned that extra drink. In her article, Rethinking Drinking, the nutrition diva had these wise words. Here in the US, for example, we define moderate consumption as one drink per day for women and two drinks a day for men. Sweden sets the bar lower, France quite a bit higher, And according to the latest analysis, however, all of these recommended limits could still put you at increased risk. The only way to reduce your risk of alcohol-related harm to zero is to reduce your consumption to zero. But remember, that risk is merely an expression of statistical probability. It does not predict the future. So, Okay, my takeaway is that on some days in the week, one or two drinks is fine. But when I'm focused on performing at my absolute best and dedicated to getting the maximum benefit from my exercise program, well, I'll err closer to none. Although we could definitely use more studies that measure the zone between drinking non-alcoholic beer and a total party binge, it seems pretty clear that if you want to perform at your best, limiting your alcohol consumption is a good idea from a recovery, muscle growth, injury repair, and stamina standpoint. But it's also clear that the dose, as they say, makes the poison. Just one more note before you go. As you probably know, I'm the co-founder, along with Monica Reinagel of the Weigh Less program, and that's a program where we show people how to stop dieting and start weighing less. And next week, Monica Reinagel and I are going to be offering a free workshop, and it's all about exactly that, how to stop dieting and start weighing less without being on a diet, without feeling restricted, without feeling deprived and switching from what we call a dieter's mindset to a way less mindset. So if you want to join us in this workshop, go over to wayless.life slash no yo yo. That's for no yo yo diets. That's wayless.life slash no yo yo. We'll see you there. And don't forget to tune in next week when I'm going to talk about those crazy training masks that we see people wearing sometimes and also the masks that we've been wearing to protect each other from the coronavirus and whether or not they help or hinder our fitness. And I have a special guest on to talk about that. Now, my name is Brock Armstrong. I'm the Get Fit Guy, asking you, what are you waiting for? Get out there and drink some non-alcoholic beer?